Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and we are here discussing some of the cobwebby corners of jazz recorded history. And today we're going to go down an especially cobwebby uh, trail uh, to listen to the music of a composer and pianist named Reginald Forsyth. And the tracks that we're going to hear today are all, or were all recorded under the name of the new music of Reginald Forsyth, and uh, they're all original tunes and original uh, arrangements done by Reginald Forsyth, who was a pianist who was raised in England. His father was a doctor from uh, Nigeria, and his mother was a uh, an English woman, and uh, he had. Uh, Scots and, and German in his background as well. Very multinational, very multi-ethnic. And uh, he maintained a kind of an air of mystery over his life about his early years and so forth. But apparently he was uh, solidly middle class. He did uh, music lessons, became a fairly proficient piano player. In fact, it was the piano that took him away from England initially, uh, having him go to Australia in the late 1920s as a vocal accompaniment, uh, or accompanist rather. And uh, following that, he ended up on the west coast of the United States States, performing with Paul Howard and his Quality Serenaders, one of the best black bands of the day. We've done a podcast on them. Then, uh, from there, he went to Chicago, made uh, the acquaintance of a number of Chicago musicians, including Louis Armstrong, and then to New York, where he really hit his stride uh, in the early 1930s and uh, becoming friends with Duke Ellington and also uh, with some of the white musicians of the day, including Adrian Rollini and even Benny Goodman. Going back to England in 1932-33, he put a group together, which, as I said, was called the New Music of Reginald Forsyth. I think initially this was probably just a recording band, but I believe they did do some live dates as well. Very unusual instrumentation to this group, and all of the recordings, maybe except for one that we're going to hear today, are done with this same instrumentation. He obviously had an affinity for this sound, and he must have done a whole book of arrangements for two clarinets, three saxophones, a bassoon, and piano, bass, and drums. We're going to start out with the date of October 14th, 1933. This band recorded for Columbia in London. I think this might have been kind of a a trial session. Uh, They only did two tunes, and they went back into the studio a few months later, and we'll hear some of those as well. But the first two tunes are, first of all, his arguably best-known tune, Serenade for a Wealthy Widow. This was a song that was recorded by Fats Waller and his rhythm about a year later, and also by Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. I think Lou Stone in in England recorded it. Pretty uh, popular number with musicians. Had many different strains, a lot of cross rhythms, counterpoint, very composed. We're not going to hear a lot of solos, per se, in the first eight or nine tracks, but some excellent arrangements and ensemble playing. We will hear some piano by the composer, though, on this one, Reginald Forsyth. So following Serenade for a Wealthy Widow, we're going to go to Angry Jungle. He had some very evocative titles uh, that were pretty well illustrative of the music that uh, they were titling. After those two uh, recordings, we're going to jump up a couple of months to February 9th of 1934. Same instrumentation, but an almost completely different group. I should tell you who was in the first group, which was Ted Marshall and George Newman on clarinets, Jimmy Watson on alto sax, Ivor Lamb on alto sax, Alf Morgan on tenor sax, C.W. Harding on bassoon, Reginald Forsyth on piano, along with arrangements and compositions, Joe Gibson on bass, and Don Whitelaw on drums. Then from the February session, which was also done in London for Columbia, uh, Jimmy Watson on alto is the only holdover other than the composer. We're going to hear Cyril Clark and Bill Apps on clarinet, Jimmy Watson and Bill Barclay on altos, uh, Jack Ambrose on tenor sax, Claude Hughes on bassoon, Reginald Forsyth on piano, Jack Collier on bass, and George Elric on drums. There were four tunes recorded that day. We're going to hear three of them to round out this set and pick up the last one a little bit later. The first tune is called The Duke Insists. I'm not sure if that's reference to uh, Duke Ellington or to one of the minor royals that uh, Forsyth apparently played for while he was in England. After that, we'll hear Bersus for an Unwanted Child and then end up with maybe his second best-known song, The Garden of Weed, also recorded by Paul Whiteman. Very evocative, almost jungly type of sound in a way, and that'll feature an alto solo by, I think, Jimmy Watson. So those are our five tunes for this set. From October of 1933, The Serenade for a Wealthy Widow and Angry Jungle. Then February 9th of 1934, The Duke Insists, Pursues for an Unwanted Child and Garden of Weed, all done uh, by the new music of Reginald Forsyth. 
So there we have the new music of Reginald Forsyth. Started out in October of 1933 for Columbia. Serenade for a Wealthy Widow, featuring a nice little bit of piano by the composer. And Angry Jungle. Then, apparently those sold well enough or were considered enough of a success that the band was brought back into the studio about, oh, five, six months later in February of 1934. And we heard the Duke Insists pursues for an unwanted child and garden of weed garden of weed featuring a nice alto solo i believe by jimmy watson we're going to hear the fourth tune from that date in just a second but before we do i'll tell you reginald forsyth was born in 1907 and uh lived until 1958 the last 10, 15 years of his life, uh, especially following World War II, were kind of lost in a way. He was uh, just a club piano player and apparently had an alcohol issue, and he didn't do too much that we uh, know about during that period. But up until World War II, he was a very vibrant composer. He ended up in Los Angeles and composed for some movies. Um, actually, I believe he did that very early, back in about 1930, and I think he did some other things a little bit later as well. Uh, he composed for some radio shows. He did uh, arrangements for various various different bands, We've talked about Paul Whiteman and Lou Stone and different things. Um, he also uh, led some of his own groups here and there as well. So we're going to finish off that February 9th date from 1934, Columbia in, in London, with a tune called Bit, and this will have a little more of the composer on piano. Then we're going to jump to the third and final uh, new music of Reginald Forsyth's session in uh, London. This goes uh, from September 6th of 1934, and we're going to hear four tunes. A couple of them have subtitles. The first one is called A Hymn to Darkness, a.k.a. Deep Forest. Deep Forest was the theme song of Earl Hines and his band. Uh, as I said, uh, Forsyth had ended up in Chicago in about 1931-32, and Earl Hines was one of the performers that he befriended, and Hines thought highly enough of his tune that he uh, adopted it as his theme song, recorded it a number of times. I think there were some lyrics to it that Andy Razaf wrote. I'm not sure about that, but anyway. Then we're going to hear... The second part of A Hymn to Darkness called Lament for Congo, and that'll feature some good piano as well. Then the third tune from that session is Volcanic, which was subtitled Eruption for Orchestra, and we'll hear some good alto and tenor playing on here. I imagine Jimmy Watson on alto and Jack Ambrose on tenor. Then we're going to finish up that session with the end of uh, that particular September session, The Autocrat Before Breakfast. So he had a, a gift of titling here, an almost Dickensian way of titling songs. And we'll hear some good piano on that as well. So this is the new music of Reginald Forsyth, all recorded in London in 1934, May and September. Bit, followed by A Hymn to Darkness, a.k.a. Deep Forest, A Hymn to Darkness, a.k.a. Lament for Congo, Volcanic, and The Autocrat Before Breakfast. <laughs> Thank you. 
some more interesting music by Reginald Forsyth, composing and arranging. We started out with the last title from February 9th of 1934, called Bit, and featured a good piano solo by the uh, composer, leader, what have you there. Uh, again, all these recorded for Columbia in London, and the band in this case was Cyril Clark and Bill Apps on clarinet, Jimmy Watson and Bill Barclay on alto sax, Jack Ambrose on tenor sax, Claude Hughes on bassoon. The use of a bassoon in there is kind of interesting, and you wish it was recorded a little more prominently, but uh, some very nice sounds coming out. Reginald Forsyth on piano and arrangements and compositions, Jack Collier on bass, and George Elric on drums. Then we jumped over to September 6th of 1934. The same group, same personnel and all. So I think they were an actually a performing group. There are a couple of photos that are included in the CD uh collection that I'm taking most of this from, all of this from actually, which is called The New Music of Reginald Forsyth, and uh, it was um, a CD that uh, was put out on the BVHA label, and uh, I think a Dutch label as a matter of fact, kind of hard to find. I owe my knowledge of Reginald Forsyth to my friend Henry Thins Francis, fine piano player, who passed away this past spring. We performed several of his compositions, including Garden of Weed and Serenade to a Wealthy Widow, and uh, it took some practice to get those things down, I want to tell you. Uh, some very compelling music. So in that September 1934 session, we heard four tunes. We heard A Hymn to Darkness, a.k.a. Deep Forest. This was, I assume, two sides of a 78. The first side was Deep Forest, and the second side, which was also called Hymn to Darkness, was subtitled Lament for Congo, and featured an especially good piano solo by the leader. Then we heard Volcanic, a.k.a. Eruption for Orchestra, which had some, uh, at least a little bit of jazz in there, alto and tenor sax solos, and a clarinet solo as well. I'm not sure who did the clarinet, but the alto was probably Jimmy Watson, and the tenor was definitely Jack Ambrose. So these were not jazz performances per se, but there was some fine jazz playing in here, and we will hear some very fine uh, jazz playing coming up. Then we ended up with a tune called The Autocrat Before Breakfast, which was largely a piano feature, but it had some interesting scoring touches in there that kind of presaged the uh, first Glenn Miller band with the two clarinets and tenor sax uh, in octaves. Very interesting sound in there. I'm not sure what... Uh, you didn't write any notes to these songs, so I'm not sure if the titles really had anything to do with the music or not, but uh, certainly makes you think a little bit. So in late 1934, Forsyth came back to the United States. He ended up in New York. He uh, resumed his relationship with Duke Ellington and uh, many other musicians. And uh, he had several uh, recordings done of his tunes by other bands. We're not going to listen to those today, but Louis Armstrong recorded Mississippi Basin. Uh, Adrian Rolinian and his orchestra recorded also Mississippi Basin. And... Um, Paul Whiteman recorded several of his tunes as well, Serenade for a Wealthy Widow and Deep Forest. And I mentioned uh, Fats Waller did Serenade for a Wealthy Widow as well. Also on the CD, we have the Hal Kemp version of Dodging a Divorcee. Uh, and then more Paul Whiteman, Garden of Weed, The Duke Insists in Dodging a Divorcee as well. So Whiteman especially uh, had uh, a good connection with Forsyth, who I believe toured with that group as a soloist uh, occasionally. I think uh, Whiteman may have thought he found another George Gershwin. Not quite, but... Uh, some interesting uh, moments, I'm sure, were had on the stage. So while he was in New York, uh, on January 23rd of 1935, uh, Forsyth did another Columbia recording session with the same instrumentation but all American musicians. And the musicians are a who's who of the early swing era. This was just before the dawn of the swing era, we remember. Benny Goodman is on clarinet. Uh, he was just getting his band together to get on the uh, Let's Dance broadcast that uh, culminated in the great Palomar uh, Ballroom in Los Angeles triumph in the summer of 1935, but here he was still just a jobbing session musician, and he is uh, partnered with Johnny Mintz on clarinet, who at the time, I believe, was with the Joe Hames Orchestra. He was just about to go with the Tommy Dorsey Band, and he was one of the few clarinet players at the time who really could uh, stand up next to Goodman in a jazz context. On alto saxes, we have two of the members of the Goodman Band that was coming together. Toots Mondello played lead and did the solos. Jaime Scherzer played second alto, although he played lead for Goodman later on. And Dick Clark was on tenor sax. All three of them were with the uh, the Goodman Band. One of them, somebody in there, plays baritone sax. It might be Jaime Scherzer. Uh, there's a little short baritone solo coming up as well. On bassoon, we have Saul Schoenbach, who was a 
classical player in New York who did a lot of radio work, Forsyth again on piano, John Kirby was on bass, and Gene Krupa with the Goodman Band was on drums. And Kirby actually had some connection with the, the Goodman Band. He was one of the early African-American musicians to play with white groups, uh, and he recorded with Goodman several times. So this was done in uh, January, January 23rd of 1935, and there were four tunes done. Melancholy Clown, which features an interesting clarinet solo, the first half by Benny Goodman and the second half by Johnny Mintz, and then a Toots Mondello solo as well. Lullaby, a very pretty song, largely ensemble, and was dedicated to Mildred Bailey. Then The Greener of the Grass, with a good Benny Goodman solo. And Dodging a Divorcee, with a bassoon solo, and the baritone sax I mentioned earlier, Dick Clark on tenor and Toots Mondello on alto, all soloing in there. We're actually going to start with a piano solo, since we have a little time here. Forsyth was considered a pretty advanced piano player for his day, and some people say that he was an influence on Fats Waller and Earl Hines. I find that a little hard to believe, but uh, he certainly was good enough to be taken seriously in that context. And this is another one of his songs called Because It's Love, which he dedicated to Elizabeth Welch, who was a very well-known African-American singer that he accompanied in uh, Europe around this time, which was May of 1934. So that'll be Reginald Forsyth doing a piano solo, Because It's Love, followed by the balance of the new music of Reginald Forsyth recordings done in the United States. Melancholy Clown, Lullaby, The Greener of the Grass, and Dodging a Divorcee.
So there we have the new music of Reginald Forsythe. We started out with that piano solo that he recorded in uh, 1934, May 25th, Because It's Love, dedicated to the singer Elizabeth Welch. 
Then we went on to that final session that he did with that group, the New Music of Reginald Forsyth, with that unusual instrumentation done in New York in February or January of 1935, featuring a cast of almost swing era players. We heard Benny Goodman and Johnny Mintz on clarinets, Toots Mondello and Jaime Scherzer on alto saxes, Dick Clark on tenor, Saul Schoenbach on ba- uh, bassoon, rather, uh, Reginald Forsyth himself on piano, arrangements, compositions, John Kirby on bass, and Gene Krupa on drums. We heard, in order, The Melancholy Clown, featuring that split solo between Benny Goodman and Johnny Mintz, with Goodman starting for, I think it was 16 bars, and Mintz taking the next 16, and Toots Mondello on alto, along with the composer on piano. Then the song dedicated to Mildred Bailey, Lullaby, a very pretty song that um, seemed to have a little bit to do with, uh, or sounded similar at any rate, to Benny Goodman's later closing theme, Goodbye. So I don't know if there's any relationship there, but an interesting thing. Then The Greener at the Grass, very clever arrangement that uh, had some excellent Benny Goodman clarinet at the end. And then we finished up with Dodging a Divorcee, a very complicated arrangement with a lot of counterpoint, some fugal uh, elements to it as well. We heard a very prominent bassoon along with baritone sax, tenor, and alto sax. Dodging a Divorcee. So thank you very much for joining us today. We're very happy to bring you the music of Reginald Forsyth, someone you don't hear too much about today, although he was certainly original. He composed a lot of very uh, original tunes and uh, couched them in some very clever arrangements that were copied by many bands of the day as well. So you've been listening to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. If you'd like to support us, please do so. If you'd like to get in touch with me, as I've said a couple of times, somebody or some people have been sending me voice recordings, which is lovely, except I have no way to answer those. So uh, send me an email or get online and get on my uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, my band name, Wolverine Jazz Band or WolverineJazzBand.net. So thank you very much, and I'll see you on the other side.